You're listening to the YPO Networks Podcast. YPO in my form helped me with an additional $15 million in value. And so when I think YPO, I think there's real business value as well as all of the social value and the the family and, and everything else associated with YPO. My life is so much more effective because of what I've learned through YPO. YPO has been important in my life in, in a lot of different ways, both professionally, personally, family. I have this job uh, that I have and I love because of YPO. In this episode, Ann Cheng, the Business Network Director of the Construction Industry at YPO, sits down with John J. Bauman. As a principal with FMI, J. Bauman assists a broad range of stakeholders in the construction industry, from program managers and general contractors to specialty trades and materials producers with the identification and assessment of the risks influencing the strategic and tactical decisions they face. In this role, Jay's primary responsibilities include research design and interpretation based on developing an understanding of the context within which these organizations operate. Publications to Jay's credit includes FMI's annual U.S. Markets Construction Overview, Influencers in Construction, Assessing Your Alternatives Should We Expand the Business, Incorporating Customer Perceptions in Strategy Development, and conditions ripe for increased use of program management. Jay earned his Master of Business Administration degree from East Carolina University. He received undergraduate degrees from the University of Georgia in risk management and insurance. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is Downright Dangerous Decisions. And now, your host, Ann Cheng. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to the YPO Networks podcast. I'm your host, Anne Chang, the Business Network Director of the Construction Industry Network at YPO. Today, we have with us Jay Bauman, Principal and Managing Director of Research and Analytics at FMI, speaking to us. Good morning, Jay. Thanks for being on the show. Good morning, Anne. Thank you very much for having me. Jay recently published an article through FMI called Downright Dangerous Decisions, detailing how one should develop a strategy amid uncertainty. Could you tell us how one should develop a strategy in these very uncertain times? Oh, absolutely. And the reason for the article being titled Downright Dangerous Decisions really comes from sort of a I'll say an outcome that we normally see occur when there is a state of heightened uncertainty among managers and organizations from a decision-making process. You know, one of the, the things that we'll see happen oftentimes is those uh, managers' organizations sort of falling into one of two camps, and they're sort of on the ends of a spectrum, if you will. Uh, the first one being more of a decision paralysis. Uh, you know, these are the people uh, that are probably more risk-averse in nature. Uh, they're looking for a lot of data and information before they'll make a decision. They're kind of taking a wait and see approach, if you will. Uh, on the other end, it's the gut instinct. You know, these are more common among loss averse organizations where there's almost uh, no analytical rigor at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the analogy I use is the ready, fire, and aim approach. And the, the issue with both of those is it really doesn't take into account. Uh, the real fluidity of the situation when things are are highly uncertain. So when there is no, uh, I'll say, you know, expected future that we can look to to say this is the the absolute most likely with a very high degree of certainty, uh, what we recommend 
uh, for organizations and managers when they're developing strategies in very uncertain times is to use more of a scenario-based approach, you know, to look at, you know, the probable outcomes, you know, maybe, you know, no more than five, preferably maybe three uh, possible outcomes that are more probable than others based on whatever, you know, the key variables are that might be determining the situation. Great, Jay. Given the worsening crisis, what do you think a commercial contractor or home builder should do right now to prevail in a loser's market? Well, there's a lot of things that people can actually do right now. In fact, uh, when we go back and look at the Great Recession uh, for the United States uh, for the construction industry, which spanned the years sort of 2006 uh, to 2011, peak to trough, we found that those organizations that actually had a plan and uh, you know worked those plans during that time, you know, didn't fall into the decision paralysis mode or in the gut instinct, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, the top quintile of those firms actually grew at a rate of about twenty to thirty percent during that time period. But there's a couple of things that they could do, and I would say really it boils down to three that we see, particularly those that we sort of diagnosed. Uh, from the last recession. The first one was just being in a position of liquidity, doing that sooner rather than later. Uh, that liquidity and the profitability of the business, if you go back to what I was mentioning, you know, the type of strategy that they should be considering, which is more of a scenario-based, that liquidity is going to give organizations, you know, greater optionality, you know, so that if a scenario is becoming more prevalent or more likely to occur, how quickly can that organization shift to that scenario and the outcome they've chosen. The second one is just more of a, a dynamic monitoring of the situation, uh, you know, decision making that would be able to be done quickly. So it in fact, it, it takes a little bit of both of those two sides of the coin, the, you know, the decision paralysis side where it was data information obsessed, you'll never have all the data and information that you need, but you need to look at some of it. And that's where the, on the other side, the gut instinct, be able to make those decisions, you know, when you don't have all the information, but you've at least considered something. In fact, when we've talked with contractors uh, during the last recession, you know, one of the things that, you know, what were the things they would have done differently? You know, the number one answer by far was not that they made the wrong decisions. In fact, in many cases, they made the right decisions. They just waited too long. So that would be the other, uh, second piece of the, uh, that advice that we would give. And then the third one is really just maintaining and strengthening the network that you have, whether that's with clients, with you know, partners, subcontractors, vendors, suppliers, et cetera. You know, maintaining those networks during this time and being close to those networks is very important. And I'd say it's really important for two reasons. Uh, the first one being that whenever we have any type of disruption to the market like we have now, inevitably, you know, the other side, there's going to be things that are different, whether that's procurement uh, practices and preferences, or it's, you know, actually uh, characteristics of the built environment itself, services that clients may be demanding, etc. Better to know those things and learn those things, speaking with your clients, again, with your peers and others during this time period, so that you're prepared for those changes on the other side. And then the second reason is that inevitably what you'll find out is that you know, other firms that are either scrambling or competitors are scrambling to try to figure out where to move. Maybe they're in a, a worse position or a market or a segment that's uh, more exposed. They're going to begin to call on those potential clients 
and not necessarily displace you know the relationship that an organization may have, but it definitely can strain that relationship. So those would be the three uh, main things that we would suggest for people right now uh, in how they could prevail in a loser's market. That's great advice. Um, Jay, what does recovery look like? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I, personally, yes, we would say that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, now, as far as when that recovery occurs, you know, the depth and the length of it, uh, at FMI, you know, we're monitoring three potential uh, outcomes, if you will, or scenarios, one being a very quick rebound, uh, more of a V-shaped recovery, which is absolutely probable. We're also looking at a, you know, a U-shape, which is a more extended recovery, which again is, is probably equally probable as well. And then more, even a more extended sort of uh, devastating type of uh, approach where we would return to levels more aligned with where we were in 2008, 2009. And all those are probable, but I think there is light at the end of the tunnel. And there's a couple of things that would suggest or that we would look for uh, to help us understand where that light is showing. And so the first one would be, you know, obviously the development of some type of treatment or vaccine. The challenge with that is, as you know, most uh, experts will tell you, uh, that's a minimum of 12 to 18 months away. It's not really anything to do with uh, bureaucracy or any kind of red tape that uh, the, the people developing these have to go through. It's really just the time to test. The second thing that could lead to you know, maybe even a shorter uh, duration of this, a quicker rebound, if you will, is just as we begin to understand the virus more, particularly, you know, as we're testing more people and getting more information, you know, understanding, well, do we need to uh, lock down the entire economy or do we just need to lock down certain aspects? So our expectation is we learn more, other areas of the economy will return and start to be back. And other areas will probably remain uh, closed just because of the heightened risk. But the other two things that I would say uh, with the light at the end of the tunnel is that one, it'll be very uneven, and two, it'll be reinvented. And what I mean by uneven is that in any market or any economy, bulls and bears coexist. And so I know I keep going back to the prior recession, but I think it does give us some lessons that we can take into this one. And if you go back and look at the past recession uh, for the construction industry in the U.S., uh, from 2006 to 2011, total construction spending declined by almost 40% during that time period. Yet, during that same period, power construction increased by almost 96%. So the people in the power segment never even experienced a recession during that time period. In fact, eight of the 19 segments that we follow at FMI grew during that period. So almost half of them. And on average, we're growing somewhere around 15 to 20%. And it wasn't just the public markets, it was private as well. So even in this segment, you know, we expect that there will be growth. So that light at the end of the tunnel, even this year and maybe even next year and the year, year after, you know, things like distribution and facility centers, uh, even manufacturing as, you know, they look to you know, bring more of that reshoring uh, to the U.S., uh, we would also expect growth in some other areas as well, uh, whether it's in, uh, intelligent transportation systems on the highway side. So there could be a lot of actually good markets, if you will, uh, kind of going into this. Again, it'll be very uneven. And then the reinvented piece, which I mean, on the lighting in the tunnel, is just like you know when we saw after 9/11 
with the remaking of airports, with the you know Transportation Security Administration, and with uh, the you know uh, introduction of the security checkpoints at airports, and what that required from a design and construction perspective, some of the aspects that we're seeing with the social distancing, you know, might we see a lot of redevelopment of space just to be ready for perhaps the next time something like this occurs. So. In all things, I do believe there is light at the end of the tunnel, uh, you know, as far as, you know, that unevenness, you know, for the entire market to recover. Again, it could be a year or two. Gotcha. Jay, thank you so much for being on our show. To end off, what advice would you give to our listeners about the current state of play within the construction industry, taking into consideration the fiscal stimuli and the devaluation of global markets? Well, I'd probably, you know, just go back to what I said before, is that there's always going to be opportunities, you know, no matter what uh, markets we've been through, we've never seen a, a construction spending forecast that actually went to zero. So there's still, you know, money being spent, there's still opportunities to pursue. And so really, it's about making a market. Um, there will be strength, you know, there'll be bulls in certain parts of the market, and there'll be bears. As I mentioned earlier, with that liquidity, you know, being able to create those options, being able to make decisions quickly and maintain those networks would be the best advice I think we could give anyone at this time. Great. Thank you, Jay. Once again, for being on our show, this is Ann Chang signing off from YPO's Network Podcast. Thank you for listening to the YPO Networks Podcast. If you or your organization would like to be featured on the podcast, please write to Ann Chang. That's A-C-H-E-N-G at YPO.org.